Part 3. To Live With Him Chapter 10 When Jesus came to earth, he brought the eternal God to us where we are and in ways we can easily comprehend. He simply solved whatever problems there were for the people around him. But he did not stay for long. He died, and when he rose from death, his disciples tell us, he took them to a hill and left them there. They stood gazing after him. In that moment, how would they feel? Disappointed, devastated perhaps, uncertain, abandoned. Once more, they were on their own. The infinite Yahweh who had come so close was now as far away as ever. But Jesus had promised he would not leave them like orphans or street children to fend for themselves in a corrupt and often tragic world. He told them to wait a few days. The eternal God would come once more to earth, not in the form of a man they could see and hear and embrace, but closer to them than that. He would come to them as he most naturally is, as an invisible spirit, as a continuous inspiration from within, as electricity moves in a cable, or as heat occupies a stone or a cup of tea. You will receive power, said Jesus, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. There's a great difference between having God all around and having his presence in me. If he's outside of me, I may pray to him and seek to please him while remaining the same person that I always was. But if he's inside me, I'm no longer the same at all. There's a warmth and an energy in me that I could not generate myself. It's the difference between a house depending on street lamps for its brightness and one lit up from within, or between a plank of sawn timber and a tree bearing leaves and fruit. It's the difference between a lorry with a dry and empty tank and one that can transport great loads. The power, in reality, has been turned on. I no longer think the way I did, or act or speak the way I did, for now I'm capable of so much more. His own nature is taking root like a seed in good soil and begins to grow prodigiously, moving me, as it moved Jesus, to a life of faith, purity, compassion and fearless determination. An ordinary human being is rapidly becoming a man or woman of God. We accept that the infinite Yahweh is always everywhere. But when Jesus was on earth, Yahweh was especially in him. Now he's especially in me, and he's in all who belong to him. The old gentleman sitting on the park bench, for he too has put his trust in Jesus and the young mother pushing her baby along the path, for she too belongs to him. They also are filled with the Spirit of God and in touch with him. I will learn to trust them completely, for they are godly people. They may be very different from me, 
and they may have struggles and shortcomings of their own. But as my new spiritual family, they share my new life in the Spirit. There's a great contrast between the old life and the new. Suddenly we understand what's going on. Everything makes sense. The Bible says, We have received the Spirit sent by God, so we may understand the things that God has freely given us. Because we have the mind of Christ, we begin to see the world and the people in it with fresh eyes. Knowing that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion, we feel a new confidence in ourselves and in others. Fresh reserves of strength and resolution begin to flow. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. These are the fruit of the Spirit. And the more we are filled with the Spirit of our Lord, the more strongly are these energies at work in us. But then something happens. I react badly to someone, or I do something dishonest, and feel ill at ease. Upsetting and quenching the Spirit of my Lord in me, I find the flow of spiritual power is choked. Peace of heart gives way to disquiet and uneasiness. This is certainly worrying, but also very helpful. Just as physical pain shows where something is wrong and needs attention, so spiritual discomfort can do the same. The sense of peace and assurance, or of misgiving and foreboding, may often indicate whether or not I'm on the right track. So we have this good advice. Let the peace of Christ arbitrate in your hearts. Losing the sense of his peace, I'll be wise to put right whatever has gone wrong, whatever it is that grieves the spirit of my Lord in me. And I may be wise to defer an important decision many days till I have the confirmation of his peace. In this way, the Holy Spirit of God comes to you, and you start to live with him. You do what he would like to do if he were where you are. A person filled with the Spirit of Jesus, naturally and gladly, lives the loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, disciplined life that Jesus lived. If only we could always know the best thing to say and the best course to follow in every situation. We'd get things done much more easily and avoid many regrettable mistakes. It would certainly require great wisdom, and this is the most remarkable thing. Such wisdom is promised to us, and especially when we need it most. If any of you lacks wisdom, the Bible says, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and he will give it to you. It's through his Spirit moving in our heart and mind that Yahweh gives us his wisdom. 
In the early church, a believer would only be qualified for leadership if he were full of the Spirit and of wisdom. But this would be the normal experience of all who were inspired by the living God. It was Paul's expectation for every new believer. From the day we heard about you, he said, we've not ceased to pray for you all, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Day by day, the wisdom we receive enables us to avoid many problems and to resolve many others. It changes our perspectives and priorities. So we read, The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of all that pleases God is sown in peace by those who make peace. To live wisely adds value to every moment of the day, for every moment is put to good use. We each have abilities, time, energy, knowledge and experience that can be either well used or wasted. To be following the Maker's instructions, led by His Spirit, is to make the most of the potential that He gives. If your Lord can trust you with responsibility, He'll bring significant people to you, send you on vital missions, show you urgent needs that you can meet, suggest projects you can launch. If, on the other hand, He finds you foolish and unreliable, He'll simply set you aside. To be full of the Spirit and wisdom is the normal Christian life, and we have every incentive to make sure we live that life to the full. Long ago, Nehemiah was deeply troubled about the ruined condition of Jerusalem. He prayed and asked his Lord what could be done. It was Yahweh who then put an idea into his mind and showed him the way ahead. At first, Nehemiah tells us, I told no one what my God had put into my mind to do for Jerusalem. He needed more information on the ground before starting to rebuild the city. When the walls were finally complete, he once again asked his Lord for guidance. Then he tells us, My God put it into my mind to assemble the nobles and the officials and the people to be enrolled. Agreement was soon reached for the administration of the city according to the law of Moses. It was Yahweh who revealed the plan, who placed the ideas in Nehemiah's mind, and who gave him the wisdom and patience he then needed in order to accomplish it. We read of many other occasions in the Bible when the Spirit of God gave wisdom to his people and showed them what to say or where to go. Simeon was moved by the Spirit to enter the temple courts. Stephen's hearers could not resist the wisdom and the Spirit by which he spoke. The Spirit of the Lord took Philip away to Azotus, sent Barnabas and Saul on their mission from Antioch, gave the apostles wisdom to resolve a serious conflict, and guided Paul many times in the course of his missionary journeys. Still today, in every circumstance, we can become aware of the best thing to say and do, 
filled with the Spirit and with wisdom, as the peace of Christ arbitrates in our hearts to confirm the ideas that come to us from the living God. Many people find it helpful to start each day with a quiet time, seeking guidance from the Lord. You might read a chapter or two from the Bible, think about it carefully and then pause. Now is the time to listen with your heart and mind, to receive wisdom from above and to understand what His Spirit is saying to your spirit. As you ponder your circumstances, ideas will come to you. You may wish to write them down. This is how someone has described it in their experience. The first thoughts may be very different from what you expect. They could be about the kind of task you're meant to take on in the world. Or they might be about something that has been niggling your conscience for a long time. As we compare our lives with Christ's standards of absolute honesty, absolute purity, absolute unselfishness, absolute love, things come to mind that need to be put right. There may be money to pay back, things we had borrowed to be returned, apologies to be made for hate or jealousy or for hurts inflicted, habits to be cut out or a wrong relationship to be ended. The only conditions for getting God's guidance are to be honest about the thoughts that come and to be ready to carry them out. God does not tell us where we've been wrong without giving us the power to put things right. There's a force outside ourselves which can root out old habits and faults we supposed would be with us for life. And there is the power of Jesus to forgive and free us from the past and make us new and different people. Not every thought that comes in a time of listening is necessarily from God but we're more likely to hear that voice if we take time to listen than if we do not. To make sure that thoughts are not our own selfish wishes, they can be tested by the absolute standards of honesty, purity, unselfishness and love, by Christ's life and by church teaching. As we start each day with the question, what does God want me to do? Creative thoughts come a new angle on a problem, ideas which could lead to far-reaching changes in a person or a situation, a plan for school, home, community and country. Life becomes a thrilling adventure. Each day brings something new. Then at the end of the day there will be time to reflect. How has it gone? Did I always say the right thing? Did I always do the right thing? What have I learned today? Did I gain fresh insight into my circumstances and the people around me? Am I living as a true Bible Christian? Am I growing more like Jesus in honesty, purity, unselfishness and love? Am I becoming a person my Lord can entrust with greater responsibility? If so, the quest for the living God is over and the adventure of living with him has begun. 
Those who do not know us may assume that Christian people are thinking all the time about religious ceremonies and duties. Or they may suppose that we particularly like community singing. Or perhaps we feel in need of a little religion on Sundays to make up for the rest of the week. They may imagine that our priority in life is to avoid smoking or swearing or getting drunk. They'd be surprised to know there is more to it than that. Many indeed are puzzled to understand why Christians find their faith of such absorbing interest. What's so fascinating about it? The truth is that living in touch with our Creator changes everything. The world and its inhabitants no longer look the same. We see possibilities in everything and everyone. It's simply a question of knowing at any moment what we're called to do with those possibilities. A follower of Jesus is not thinking all the time about religious practice or belief, but about every other subject that comes into view as a consequence of belief. Issues of concern to a psychologist or sociologist will certainly concern us too for we care deeply about the people around us. Politics and economics find a significant place in our unconventional worldview. Geography and history enable us to understand the way things are. Linguistic studies help us communicate the truth. Engineering equips us to improve the quality of life for many in great need. Physics and chemistry, biology, geology and mathematics all help us understand the created world and prepare us to make better use of it. And of course, the vast field of medicine opens up as we labour to relieve as much suffering as we can. A believer is as involved in the world and usually much more involved than his unbelieving friends. He has far more to offer because unlike them, he doesn't try to rule its creator out of it. All around us we see so much good gone wrong, and we believe we have the means to put it right. Our awareness that this world has been designed and spoiled and will one day be restored gives us a great interest in everything and everyone, and especially in the process and prospect of their restoration. If our Maker has assured us that disease, decay and death will soon be gone forever, we have some wonderful news for this fragile and most anxious planet. To live with Yahweh in his creation and help him solve its problems while preparing for life in a far better world becomes a cause so worthwhile and an adventure so stimulating that nothing can remotely equal it. Along with this comes the assurance that certain unique tasks have been allotted to each one of us, exactly suited to the ability and experience he has given. The Bible says, God has made us what we are, created anew through Christ Jesus, so we may do the good things he's planned for us to do. Living with the Lord touches every part of life, every friendship, every choice, every encounter, every decision. It influences how I care for my wife, raise my children, respond to my neighbours, support my workmates, answer the telephone and open my front door. 
every day brings fresh needs and opportunities. Going where he leads me to go and doing what he gives me to do, I see all sorts of things change for the better. Helping others find their way to him, I see distress turn to delight, fear to assurance, anger to forgiveness, despair to hope. Nothing else is half so interesting as this, or half so worthwhile. And working with him before I know it, I've learned to love him with all my heart, soul, mind and strength. Every climber reaching the highest summit of a mountain will pause to rest and enjoy the view. Our quest for the living God has brought us far, and now we can look back along the path we've followed. Sincere and honest inquiry has shown us how little we can really know about the infinite, eternal Elohim, but how warmly we may love him, and how wonderfully we may live with him. At the outset, we felt a certain restlessness, but also a sense of wonder. In the natural world, we saw enough evidence of design to be sure it did not fall into place by accident. In our human abilities and highest ideals, we found some clues to the character of the one who made us. We saw how people in ancient times became aware of an infinite being of great and awesome majesty and learned that his name is Yahweh, the one who always is, everywhere. We watched as Jesus came to show us what he's really like. In the presence of the divine, men and women would fall to their knees and worship with amazement and keen expectation. Often they knew and understood very little, but firmly believed what little they did know. Investigating matters of uncertainty, we found points we could be sure of, building from first principles a statement of definite faith. After this quest for knowledge, we gave some thought to love. Clearing away the hindrances, we saw how a relationship that starts with a fact may then become a choice and a commitment. But a cold heart we found incapable of love, and a warm heart sometimes wasting love on things quite unworthy. Seeing how the Bible writers described the love of God, we then considered what a perfect father would be like. With our natural longing for responsive love, we recognised how often we may love someone we do not see. And then, of course, we found that some of us will first respond with heart or soul or mind or strength before love takes over our whole personality. As children of the living God, we've been welcomed into a family inspired by his kindness and compassion. We have so much to look forward to, and especially to a time when every tear will be wiped away and everything on earth will be done with love. The Bible writers lived in a world as troubled as our own, 
and had no doubt of the power and presence of God to direct and intervene. The day will come, they said, when wrongs are all put right. In the meantime, it's what we achieve against the odds that makes our life heroic. Wounded, perhaps, in the battle, we looked back once more to Jesus and his disciples, observing how love kindles love, inspiring loyalty, trust, thankfulness, and a desire to please. If all else fails, we found that we may simply follow Jesus. He will, as he promised, bring us to God. Finally, we turned from loving to living, living with Yahweh day by day, led by his Spirit, inspired by his wisdom, and fulfilling his purpose. This is the most exciting and challenging adventure of all. Knowing he's planned for me a better life, I long to become a better person and to prepare, indeed, for a much better world.